0: and we're back. I'm out here recording solo this week. Uh, Scott was sick. Jesse had a family emergency. Um, so he had to go take care of that. So I'm here recording (laughs) in the pitch black, uh, in my car, um, just to, just to get this out there. So I hope you guys are feeling, uh, Feeling lucky, because uh, we're you know we're determined to get this bot podcast out there. Um, really, any way that we can. So whatever we have to do, we're going to get this out here. So you know we got a we got a weird um, weird couple of weeks coming up here uh, with the holidays in the middle of the week and stuff like that. So it's it's really tough to get together for these podcasts. Um. So when Scott gets sick and, and Jesse's not available, you just got to plug along. So um, one thing I want to touch upon, um, this is going to be probably a short a short podcast, so I won't be able to get into, a, get into a whole lot, but I wanted to touch on some things that have been going on. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is still holding on to the articles of impeachment, refusing to send them over to the Senate. You know, what I don't understand about that is, you know, obviously Mitch McConnell, he doesn't care. He doesn't care whether or not he gets, whether he gets these articles. The Republicans in the Senate don't care whether or not they get the articles. They're, they're, they're happy not getting them. Like, what I don't understand is, do these, do the, um, do the Democrats think, that the Republicans are, are are anxious to get the the impeachment going. Is that what they think is going on? Do they think that? Uh, be able to use that as Oh, to get them out radio mind. turned on. Do you think that? Um, do you think that they're they're happy that they're that they're excited for this impeachment? I I really I, I don't get what I don't get what what Nancy and the Democrats think that they're gonna. That they're going to gain from from holding these. Yeah, she says that she's holding out for a quote unquote fair trial in the Senate, but you know, impeachment is a one hundred percent political process. It's not there. There is no fairness in impeachment. There's 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 never going to be anything fair um, in the entire process because it's a partisan process, at least. That's the way that it was designed to be. Um, it, when the when the framers wrote the Constitution, they didn't want it to be a criminal proceeding because then that leaves the bar too high um, for a presidential impeachment. You know, you don't want the bar to be too high that, that, that you can't impeach a president, but you don't want it to be so low that you you turn yourself into a banana republic. But the framers knew that it eventually would get to um, a partisan place. Uh, and you could see that referenced in the Federalist papers. I believe it was Federalist 65. Um, you'll have to do some fact checking on that. Um, cause it's just me today. Uh, no one here doing fact checking, but, um, yeah, in Federalist 65, they talked about how in the future, um, whoever, whenever the majority has the house and the minority has the, the, the presidency, um, they're just going to impeach the president, uh, just because that's, that's the way that that the framers kind of put it. And I knew eventually it would get that, that, that way. But, uh, it really upsets me that, that, that this is where we're at because now we mentioned it in the last podcast. Now, every time, and I, I hope this isn't the way it goes, but the way that I see it working is now every time the the majority has the house and the minority has the White House, they're going to impeach the president every time. And now this this sets the precedent that you can do it for whatever you want. And it just it it upsets me because that that is a true threat to our republic, you know. What's ironic here is if you if you take a step back and you listen you listen, and you take a step back and you look at what's going on, let's let's look at what's happening right now. Nancy Pelosi is using her power to obstruct Congress to influence the 2020 election. So it could be argued. Now the Democrats argue that she's using her power in the best interest of the country to obstruct Congress and influence the 2020 election, Republicans can argue that Donald Trump was doing the same thing. Donald Trump was looking into the shady dealings with Burisma and the corruption in Ukraine, which inadvertently would have benefited Donald Trump politically. So what's the difference between... Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi. Well, Nancy Pelosi is keeping it in-house. So the difference is Nancy Pelosi is domestically abusing her power, domestically obstructing justice, and domestically influencing the 2020 election rather than, you know, using a foreign government to abuse your power, quote-unquote, and to domestically obstruct Congress and to use a foreign power, quote-unquote, to influence the 2020 election. If you don't see what's going on here, either you're ignorant to it, or you're a lemming. There, It's two sides of the same coin. The Republicans are arguing the same argument, the Democrats are arguing the same argument. It's just... And this is why this impeachment pisses me off, because it's not, I don't want to use the word fair, but it's not, it's not, it's not symmetrical, I guess is the way to put it. Or it's too symmetrical, maybe that's maybe that's a better way to put it. The, the, the parties are mirror images of each other right now. Donald Trump, if you were to listen to the Democrats... Donald Trump abused his power by asking Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden and look into Burisma. And he obstructed Congress by not allowing witnesses to testify. And he allegedly did all this to influence the 2020 election. Now, you could argue that what Donald Trump did was in the interest of the country and that the influence on the 2020 election was merely coincidental. Um, So, on the other side of the coin, what the Democrats are doing from the Republican point of view is they are abusing their power to withhold articles of impeachment, not allowing Donald Trump to, um, have his day in court, so to speak, not allowing Donald Trump to, um, clear his name or, or how do you, how do you want to put it? Not allowing them to, to not allowing his acquittal. So what, what, what they're, they're delaying the process so that Donald Trump can't rebut the testimony and call his witnesses so on and so forth, because they don't feel like "quote unquote" senators will allow for a, fail, a fair try at, trial, man trial in the Senate, um, which I think is it's a silly argument because it's a it's a it's a political process, so it's partisan by nature. So the, the trial in the house or the the inquiry in the house is going to be partial towards the majority. Just like the trial in the Senate is going to be partial to the majority. That's that's just the way that it works. And that was the same way that it was during the Clinton impeachment. The the Republicans had the majority in the House, so the majority did what it wanted to do and impeached Bill Clinton. They, the Republicans weren't worried about a fair trial in the Senate. They knew they weren't going to get a fair trial in the Senate because the Democrats were the majority. So they sent the articles over to the Senate, just like you're supposed to do, and there was a partial... Uh, a partial political majority in the Senate that acquitted, um, Bill Clinton. It's, it's no, it's, there's, there's no question as to whether or not Bill Clinton lied under oath. He committed perjury. It's just that, that Democrat Senate didn't believe that perjury, I guess, is enough to remove a president from office. So they voted two-thirds. They needed two-thirds vote to remove him from office, and they couldn't get it. End of story. It's over. That's exactly what should have happened for this president. As soon as the articles of impeachment are finished, they should go to the Senate. Now... We mentioned in the last podcast that all the Senate has to do is change their rules. All the Senate has to do is say, okay, um, we're no longer going to wait for the House to um, appoint its masters and send them over. Um, We're just going to go ahead and say that if you don't deliver the articles within 30 days of approval, that they're dismissed. You know, that they have to put some kind of a time limit on it. You can't just have an indefinite charge. Imagine if imagine if the, the district attorney of whatever, we'll just say of a county. We'll say Lycoming County because that's where we're at. That's where I'm at. So let's just say the district attorney of Lycoming County investigates uh, we'll just say the CEO of a company, uh, we'll just make it simple. So the CEO of a company, he's investigating that CEO and he doesn't allow that CEO's lawyer to be present. He doesn't allow that CEOs to question any of the witnesses. Doesn't even allow that CEO to know who the witnesses are doesn't allow that CEO a chance to provide his own testimony. And then when it finishes its inquiry, it releases the findings of its investigation to the press and then says, "No, I'm not going to I'm not going to send this to court because there's no way that I can get a fair trial. So I'm just going to hold on to this information. I'm going to hold on to this case." until i know that this person is going to get a fair trial no that's not how it works when the da presses charges it goes to trial if there's an investigation into a person and that investigation finds evidence enough that it's going to go to trial it goes to trial so what would what would what would make a, a DA, a district attorney, what would make a DA not want to take a case to court? Think about it from a legal standpoint. I know this is a political process. I've made that argument, but they're, they, they're seeming to want to try and treat this as a hybrid, that it's a political process that can be partial, but it has to be fair when it goes to trial. That's not how it works. Either you have all or nothing. So if you're gonna treat this like it's a criminal proceeding, let's let's pretend it's a criminal proceeding. So what would happen if a why would a DA not want to take its case to court? Because he knows, or he or she, because that that DA knows that they'll lose. That's why you don't take a case to court. Because you'll look like an idiot. And that's what the Democrats are afraid of. They're gonna look like morons. When it goes to a trial and the chief justice of the Supreme Court has to sit there and listen to the kangaroo bullshit that they've dredged up, it's going to get thrown out right away. This thing wouldn't even, if this was, if this was a criminal proceeding, this thing wouldn't even come within seven blocks of a courthouse. It wouldn't. It does not. It does not even pass the smell test for a criminal proceeding. There's absolutely no evidence. If Donald Trump were, were an average citizen, and Nancy Pelosi Nancy Pelosi was a, a district attorney, and her case against Donald Trump was taken to uh, a court, it wouldn't even hold water. Abuse of power is not a crime. CEOs and people across this country abuse their power every day. It's not right, but you're telling me that that there's not a CEO out there that hasn't gotten Lakers tickets, you know, in in exchange for a business deal or um, you know a real estate agent someplace that you know, schmoozes a client or something like that and, and, and they get big dinners and stuff, you know, there, there's things like that, abuse of power happens all the time, all the time. I'm not saying it's right, but it's not illegal until you start getting into, you you know, areas where it violates other people's rights. Like you can't use your power to sexually harass people. You can't use your power to gain, uh, to gain sexual favors. You can't use your power to bribe, um, bribe people, th- things along those natures. Now, it was argued that Donald Trump bribed Ukraine, but that argument falls apart, because in order to bribe somebody, you have to, A, offer them something, and then withhold that until a certain end is met. So their argument is that Donald Trump withheld aid from Ukraine until they announced an investigation into Joe Biden. This argument doesn't hold water. A, yes, the aid was held because we didn't want to just give billions of dollars worth of weapons to a corrupt government. So they wanted to make sure and this is, this is Donald Trump's excuse, they wanted to make sure that the Ukrainian government was going to be good on their word and start the investigation that they promised to start and show that they weren't going to be corrupt before they got billions of dollars worth of weapons. I'd say that's a valid, valid argument. However, the Ukrainians never knew that, that, that those weapons were being withheld. If Donald Trump would have said, "Hey, I'm not going to give you this aid until you launch this investigation," then there would be something to talk about. It may have been inferred. It may have been implied at some at some level. But the fact is is that the Ukrainians never knew we were withholding the aid. So how do you bribe somebody? That's like me saying, "Oh well, if if Sally Joe Muckinfutch doesn't doesn't pay me ten thousand dollars, then I'm going to burn her house down." Okay, that's bribery. I guess it's a, I guess it's a terroristic threat, but you get you get the point. If if I don't get if I don't get A, then <clears throat> they're not going to get B. Okay? But I don't tell that person that. How is that a bribe? If the other person is, if the second party is unaware of the bribe, how is it a bribe? So the Ukrainians never knew that the aid was being withheld. Second, the, the Ukrainians never. Announced an investigation into the Bidens. So there was never. Okay, so there was no A. And there was no B. So if you have to have A to get B. And there was no A or B. Then how is there bribery? The Ukrainians never knew that the aid was getting withheld. Then they got the aid. Without announcing an investigation. So how is that bribery? There was no A, there was no B, and there was no C. So if A plus B equals C, and you neither you have neither an A, a B, nor a C, what are we even talking about? So the bigger the the, the, the bigger takeaway here is Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats are abusing their power to obstruct Congress and influence the 2020 election. If you're going to paint that Donald Trump with that brush, that's a pretty broad brush. Then you have to you have to paint the Democrats with that brush, and you have to paint Nancy Pelosi with that brush. I mean, you 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 can't just pick and choose your rights and wrongs. Either either. Either it's wrong to abuse power, obstruct co- Congress, and influence an election, or it's, it's okay if you're doing it for your side, is what Nancy Pelosi essentially is saying. It's okay for us to do it because we're doing it for, for, for what we believe in. But when Donald Trump is doing it for what he believes in, he's doing something wrong. How is that right? How is that fair? and she wants to withhold articles so that she can get a fair hearing in the in the in the senate? No, kitten. This is not how it works. You've done your job. Now sit down, shut up and let the senate do theirs. How hard is it? The constitution's clear. The House is solely responsible for impeachment. The Senate is solely responsible for the trial. It's in black and white. Now each House or each each side of Congress gets to make their own rules. So you could make that argument, you know, you could make the argument that, that, you know, the the, the Senate makes their own rules and so it's, it's the Senate's fault. You can make that argument, but once, once that vote in the house is called, once that vote is over, pass or fail, if the impeachment fails, it's over. If the impeachment passes, he's impeached. Now it goes to the Senate for a trial to see whether or not he gets removed. That's called due process. Cornerstone of our our constitutional republic. You're innocent until you're proven guilty. Whether it's a political process or a criminal process, you're innocent until you're proven guilty and judged by a jury of your peers. I don't, I don't know who would be more of Donald Trump's peers than a Senate full of Republicans. That seems like Donald Trump's peers to me. You know, I'm not saying that the entire Senate is going to be impartial, but you... These people are senators. They're congressmen. They take their job seriously. I would like to say that every single one of the members of Congress loves their country. I know that's not true. I know that's not true. It's evidenced in Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar and Ocasio Cortez. Those representatives don't love their country. They hate their country. They hate the United States of America. They hate everything we stand for. They've said it before, and they, they, they try to walk their comments back, but they hate this country. It's it's easy to sit in, in their echo chamber and Prophetize their beliefs and that they're that they're the geniuses of our republic and that they know better and to tell us how we need to run our lives. It's easy for them to do that. But I I digress. I don't want to talk about that. The impeachment's the, the impeachment's gonna conclude. Um, I don't know when there's no precedence for this so I've said what I've I've said what I've said there's there's not a whole lot more that can be said on the subject of impeachment I mean we're at where we're at and until until the articles are passed up to the Senate we're a stalemate and there's nothing really to be said until those articles go to the Senate now they're talking about drawing up more articles of impeachment great do it you're not going to send those over either. You're scared. Every one of you knows that your career's over. Every one of you, that's why they didn't want to do a roll call vote. The Republicans called for a roll call vote on impeachment, which means you would have to put your name beside it. They didn't want to do that. They didn't want to do that. Because they know that if their name is tied to impeachment, if their name is tied to impeachment, they're not going to get elected again. You're talking about Democrats that, Donald, that are in districts that Donald Trump won by 16 points. These Democratic senators in those districts were elected as, as a stopgap, just in case Donald Trump wasn't what, what we voted for, at least in those districts. Here in our great state of Pennsylvania, we hardened it. We flipped a couple of seats. Hell, in New Jersey, um, New Jersey, uh, there was a congressman that flipped parties because of this bullshit. The American people aren't stupid. The American people are going to see right through all this. We see that it's unjust. There's one things that there's one thing that America on the whole, entrusts more than anything else, and that's justice. And Americans don't see any justice in what's going on. There's no justice in what's happening to Donald Trump. He's crass, and he says shit that he shouldn't say, and he attacks people that he shouldn't attack, but by God, he is the President of the United States of America. And if they can do this to him, if the FBI can do what the FBI did to Donald Trump, a candidate who was running uh, running for the United States presidency and then also spying on him once he became president, you they can do this to a president and get away with it, what the what what chance do any of us have? If they can do this to a president, what chance do I have? They knew that this was going to be picked through with a fine-tooth comb. They knew that this was going to get traction. They knew that this would be in the media. And they did it anyway. So if they if they can do that when they have all of the optics on them, what chance do you and I have? We're screwed. If they ever turn the turn that looking glass around on us the fourth amendment in this country is dead it's gone you know but enough about impeachment talk about something um, a little less, a little less hefty. Um, the uh, they passed a, a, a bill uh, or was it an executive order. I think Donald Trump signed an executive order that raised the age to purchase tobacco from 18 to 21. I don't know how I feel about this. I like the move. I've said for years that um, al- alcohol and tobacco, and and now marijuana, now that that's getting into the mainstream and becoming a um, and becoming more more um, more acceptable in in um, in the mainstream life, I've always thought that they should raise the age. For alcohol, tobacco, marijuana—you know, really any of that stuff—to twenty-five. Um, that's my personal belief. Uh, that's when your brain stops developing, um, at least for most people. So, you know, but but the, what 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 always hangs me up is the fact that we have eighteen-year-olds getting, you know, signing up for the military and getting shipped off to war. And my argument always is, well, if you're, then then I go to the other side. Well, if you're, if you're old enough to go to war, then you're old enough to, to have a, have a beer and you're old enough to smoke a joint and you're old enough to, um, have a cigarette. So I, I find myself often on both sides of this argument because I understand the health aspects of of raising the the legal age for these substances, but on the other side, I also see the the um, how do I want to put it the overreach in telling people what they can't, what they can and can't buy and what they can and can't consume. I'm a big proponent of legalizing all drugs. Not not because I think people should be able to do whatever drug they want, but, I mean, that's part of it. I do think that people should... Consenting adults should be able to do whatever they want. So long as it's not hurting anyone else, and arguments can be made that when a drug when when a drug addict gets addicted to drugs he doesn't just hurt himself he hurts his family and all that stuff but that's that's true of alcohol that's true of any of any any of this. gambling you know when you get addicted to gambling you not only hurt yourself you hurt those around you so that that argument that that's a slippery slope argument i guess and and that argument doesn't hold water for me. Um, consenting adults should have the capacity to make that decision themselves. It's not the government's job to save me from myself. I, I I don't have any desire to go out and shoot up heroin or snort cocaine or do any of these drugs. Or I don't even really drink. Um, you know, friends friends of me will tell you, I'm, I'm not even a drinker. I'm, I'm, I don't even really like taking Tylenol. If you really want my honest opinion, I'm not a drug guy. Um, I understand their benefits. Uh, and I take drugs that are prescribed for me and I take, I take the drugs that I need medically and things like that, but I'm not a drug guy. My, my bigger point is, is that it's not up to the government to tell people what they can and cannot do with their own bodies. If you want to, if you want to take in drugs and and do all that stuff, my, in my opinion, I think, you, you know, if we legalize drugs, it'll only be a few a few years, and the problem will be gone. And and the the logistics for that are 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 multifaceted. You know, uh, one, there's not going to be a black market for for drugs, because they'll be readily available, so you'll have a, you'll have a reliable, safe source for your drugs. Two, they won't be tattoo. they won't be tattoo. they won't be taboo anymore. A lot of the reasons why um, people start using drugs is experimentation, and they're taboo, so you you smoke some pot you you drink, you smoke a couple of cigarettes uh, with your friends because it's taboo it's it's dangerous um, you know kids like to do things that are against their better nature <laughs> so and it's not just kids I mean it's 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 everybody everybody can be affected by drugs but uh, the bigger point is is I think that everybody should be should be able to make that choice for themselves. So I have a hard time when the government tries to tell me what age I have to be, and so on and so forth. Um, But I see the benefits of raising that age. Uh, Your brain doesn't stop developing until you're 25. Emotionally, you don't stop developing until you're into your early 20s. Some people late 20s, some people never. (laughs) But, (coughs) excuse me, The, the point is, I don't think that the government should be able to regulate that on the other side of the coin. I, 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 I don't like seeing kids smoking tobacco for me is the big one. You know, the younger you are, when you decide to start smoking, the harder it's going to be for you to quit when you're older, because it becomes part of your development. And those habits that you get during your developmental years are much harder to break than habits that you just accrue in everyday life. So I don't know how I feel about the, the, the age being raised at 21. Um, the, the older person in me says, good, um, you know, teenagers don't need to be smoking anyway, but the libertarian in me says it's none of the government's business what i do make it 10 for all i care if it, if their parents want to allow the kids to smoke then that's up to the parents but i i can't i can't advocate either way because i'm biased in both directions so i think it's a great idea i think it's a horrible idea all all in the same breath so you make you make your own decision on 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 um what you think about um what you think about the legal age of tobacco should it be higher should it be lower Uh, you you make that decision uh visit our visit our um visit our social media and and let us know what you think uh pop on twitter at the btl show um and let us and let us know let us know what you think one way or another, is it, is it good that they raised the, the, the legal age to buy tobacco or should they have kept it at 18? At the BTL show on Twitter, uh, you can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash PA Between the Lines. So go on there and let us know what you think about them raising the legal age to purchase tobacco. Um, something kind of personal that I wanted to mention. My, uh, my dog, Joe, <clears throat> he's, um, he's gotten sick. He's, he's had, uh he's had a problem with his, with his teeth for some time. Um, he's had a gum disease that, you know, it's, it's kind of like laid dormant for years and it required surgery and and things along those lines that we really couldn't afford, um, years ago. And long story short, it's, it's starting to to take its toll, and he's got an infection in his teeth. Um, and we we took care of it uh, a couple weeks ago with some medication, and took him to the vet, and he got better. But now now it, it's the infection's returned on on the other side of his of his jaw, and he's going to have to be put on medication again but we're pretty sure that you know here shortly um we're going to have to put Joe down and uh it's rough it's hitting me and my wife you know pretty heavy Joe has been <clears throat> literally in our relationship from day one um I knew my wife before Joe, but literally just as me and my wife started dating, she got Joe as a Christmas present and the very first night that she got him, she came down to my apartment in Muncie at the time and she brought Joe with him and I thought, oh God, this girl got a dog. But it was a beagle, and I have a soft spot for beagles, so I fell in love with him right away. Um, Joe has always been my buddy. But the first night, the very first night, he came in, he got in bed with us, and he crawled up on my shoulder. And every day since that day that, that I've been around Joe... Every day, he comes out, he comes into my bedroom, he hops up on our bed, and he puts his head on that same spot on my shoulder in the same place that he did that very first night. Every day of his life that I've been around him, he's gotten up in the bed and he's laid his head on that same shoulder. And he's now he's gotten bigger. My shoulders stay the same size, he takes up a lot more space on my shoulder than he, than he did that first night. But this dog has been a great dog for me, and it's just it's a really hard time for our family right now going through what we're going through with Joe. There's a chance that he could have surgery and have the, the teeth removed, but he's 12 years old now and he's got a heart murmur. He's got a mass back by his hip behind his behind his tail. So the chances of him successfully making it through a surgery are not good. So right now we're having to make a decision whether or not we want to try to have this like $2,000 surgery for our dog that he may not make it through, and there's a two or three week recovery period where he's going to be in constant pain for those two weeks, and then you have to weigh in, what's his quality of life going to be like after the surgery, should he have it? So we're deciding between that or whether or not we want to just get him on some pain medication and some antibiotics and just let him be comfortable for the last little bit that we have with him and just spoil the hell out of him until, until the day comes where his his pain is too much for the medicine or you know, he starts having complications and at that point we make the decision to, to put him down. But it's just such a rough, it's such a rough decision to have to make. I mean, I love this dog. Our family loves this dog so much. And I know that there's people out there that have gone through the same, gone through the same thing. And I feel for you. If you've ever had to put a dog down... I there's 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 a spot in my heart that weeps for you because a dog there's a special relationship between a pet and their their human and that bond gets so deep They say that dogs have the mental capacity of a small child, a toddler. So that means to me that they understand emotion, they feel, they love, they miss, they hurt. So it breaks my heart on the other side of the coin... To know that he understands pain, but he he doesn't understand why he's in pain. Like, he can't justify, like, when when a human gets a toothache, they can rationalize and they say, oh, okay, I have a cavity or I cracked my tooth and my tooth hurts, I just have to get through it until I get to the dentist." and get it fixed, and I'll be fine. The poor dog just knows I'm in pain. And there's nothing over the counter that you can give a dog for pain. You can't just give it Tylenol or Advil or Aleve because NSAIDs are toxic to dogs. Non-steroidal, anti-inflammatory, whatever. Um, they're toxic for dogs. So, we can't give him anything for the pain, but we can't tell him, it's okay, buddy, we're going to get you to the vet tomorrow. He doesn't understand that. So, all he understands is, I'm in pain I don't understand why and nobody's doing anything about it. I mean, we're trying to make him as comfortable as we can. We've got a blanket set up for him and he's he's laying down and he's resting and stuff like that, but he can't eat and he's not comfortable. I know that I can tell he's not comfortable. He's sleeping, but he's not he's not sleeping good. And so we have to get him to the vet tomorrow, but there's nothing I can do to make him understand why he's in pain and that it's only temporary I can tell that it's bothering him but there's nothing I can do about it and that's what kills me I just want to the point that I'm trying to make I guess is that the bond between people and animals, is way stronger than anyone can really understand. Whether you're religious or not, whether you believe in God and spirituality and all that stuff, in, in, in my belief, humans are here to take care of the animals it's our job to conserve it's our job to protect we're the harbingers of death we're the we're the we're the givers of life um it's our job to make sure that the animals don't suffer so when when i see my dog In pain, it's like one of my kids is in pain. Maybe, maybe not quite to that extreme, but almost. I mean, I want to protect my dog like I would want to protect my kids. He's a part of our family, and it hurts me when he hurts. So, anyone out there that has dealt with the loss of a pet or if you're going through a sick pet right now or you know somebody with a sick pet or somebody that just lost a pet my prayers go out to you and i and i hope that you would pray for me and my family as well because it seems silly to get this affected over an animal but the bond that we have with animals is just so strong anybody that's ever raised horses understands i know that's kind of a weird statement to say but anybody that's ever raised horses you you understand anybody that's anybody that's had a life lifetime dog you know a family dog for decades and then lost it or you know I, I say horses because horses are so intelligent that if you've ever owned a horse, you can yeah, with a dog there's there's the relationship there. You know there's a there's a deep relationship between you and a dog, but a horse is so intelligent that the 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 relationship between you and your horse is, is special. And I guess dogs are, dogs are pretty close to that as well, but that's why I said horses because there's just something like, if you own a horse and you love your horse and you've got a horse as a pet, then you can look in the eyes of that animal and you can see that it's paying attention to you. You can feel the connection between you and that animal. And dogs are the same way, I guess. I shouldn't I shouldn't generalize generalize that. I just know I know how how emotional horses can get too. And I guess dogs are, are pretty emotional too. But the, the the point is is you can look in the eyes of that animal and you can see the bond there. You can look into their soul and you can you can feel their emotion and you can tell that they're happy to see you or that they're not having a good day. So if you've ever lost an animal or you, you had an animal get sick or you know somebody that has, I feel for you, you know, prayers to you because this is one of the hardest times that I think I've ever had to deal with, uh, you know, aside from losing people that I've been close to, um, this is right up there, you know. I've, I've lost, when I was, when I was 20, um, just before my 21st birthday, I was engaged to, um, I was engaged to a girl that died in a car accident, and that, that messed me up pretty bad, um, for a long time, that messed me up pretty bad, and, This isn't quite as bad as that, obviously, but I love Joe, and to see him in pain is is right up there with some of the worst things that I've ever had to deal with um, in my life. It seems silly, you know, when you when you say this stuff out loud, it, it seems silly that I'm that I'm this affected by an animal, but. In in my honest opinion, I think if you don't bond with an animal, there's something wrong with you. I don't trust anybody that dogs don't trust. That's just that's just how I am. If a dog don't trust you, I'm not going to trust you either. So anyway, uh, that was kind of heavy, but I hope everybody had a great Christmas. Um, I hope that everybody is safe and warm and that everybody got what they wanted for Christmas. I hope that everybody stays safe for the new year. You know, don't drive drunk. Don't do anything stupid. Um, you know, if you're going to drink for the new year, have a designated driver, call a cab, you know, rent a party bus, Uber, Lyft. You know, Jesse's Jesse's a Lyft driver. Jesse's an Uber Uber driver. So if if you're if you're in the area and you need a driver for, um, you need a driver for New Year's Eve. Check it out. See if he's available. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure he might he might be working that night. I don't know if he will or not. But um, you know, look for look for look for a ride home. Don't just think, oh, I've I've only had a couple of beers. I can I can do it. A you're either going to, you're going to, you're going to get a DUI or, or a fine or something like that. B, you're going to wreck your car and hurt or possibly kill yourself or even worse, you're going to wreck your car and kill somebody else. So if you're, if you're going to drink, give up the keys. If you're going to smoke pot, give up the keys. If you're going to do stupid shit, give up the keys. Just, just don't, don't drive and put everyone else in danger. Because you want to have a good time. Just give it up. Call a cab. Call a party bus. Uber or Lyft. There's just too many options. There's no excuses for a DUI anymore. No excuses. So with that, um, we're going to do a short podcast this week since I'm alone. You can find us on betweenthelines.podbean.com. You can find us on Twitter, at the BTL Show. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash PA Between the Lines. And we're on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Between the Lines Podcast. And we have a GoFundMe started uh, that you can access through our Facebook page and our Twitter. Um, obviously, the best way um, to get a hold of us is you can leave us a comment on Podbean, uh, between the lines um, you can also leave us a comment on Facebook and Twitter Twitter at the BTL show and Facebook PA between the lines. Um, so with that I hope everyone has a good and safe New Year's. Um, I hope everyone's Christmas was great. Love your pets take care of them give them give them a couple extra treats for me. Um, and just, just hug your dog and give him extra pets. Um, you know, pet him extra, extra, extra hard. Scratch him behind the ears for me. Um, just have a good week. Be safe and don't be stupid. Talk to you later.